Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney, a Champions League podcast. What's up, brother? Oh, just just all the action, Andrew. <laughs> On the field, off the field. Incredible. I, I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. Oh, really? Usually I'm whelmed, but now it's just overwhelmed. We've dealt with... We've dealt with more, definitely, but I feel I mean, like... if you're overwhelmed now, I'm worried about moving forward with you. Can, you, can you handle the sport? We, we'll be fine. Okay. I've just been dramatic. This is dramatic to try and get people hyped. There's so much to talk about. There really is. I'll tell you what, this would have been, had we not already been scheduled to record today... Hands down, stone cold emergency pod material. Rolled over this morning, checked the old phone like you do, and uh, of course on the the time the time scale they're ahead of us, so you're getting all the news yeah, suddenly but, but rushing right, though, at you. It was definitely a morning of like check the phone, and then uh, like your eyes are still kind of like blurry, but like you kind of see the breaking news in red on ESPN FC, and then it's just immediate. <laughs> Should and you, now you're awake. Should you be laying in bed? I'd love to ask ask a doctor this. You know, what does it do to your brain to be laying in bed, going onto Chelsea Twitter mm-hmm. and clicking the Comunicado Oficial and reading it and checking to see, does it have the three strikes? Does it have, thanks for your efforts, hope to see you back again, wish you well for the future. And he was not welcomed back. But he was thanked I mean, very much for, for all the things he won, and rightly so. Yeah, welcome back is probably the toughest of the three to, to check. I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it. Thomas Tuchel was fired today. Uh, so that is what we're talking about. We're going to get to that, of course. That's the lead of this podcast tonight. It's a massive story in not just soccer, but in, in global sport. Uh, it's a Champions League week, so there's a lot to discuss with the matches that took place over the last couple of days. Got a little bit of an MLS minute, one that Drew Yearwood and Chicharito Hernandez will probably not enjoy, <laughs> but oh. Henny Mukhtar might. Um, and a couple of things that kind of caught our eye from over the weekend that I don't want to even... We're a few days removed. So much has happened. Manchester United versus Arsenal feels like it was a lifetime ago. Like, what we, a great game that was. I know. So uh, there were a couple of things that I at least wanted to mention in there that uh, that I didn't want to kind of escape the week. Felt like it needed to be talked about. But, but JJ, we begin with Chelsea. Tuchel out. And it's Dinamo Zagreb that, much like they did to another former Chelsea manager while he was with Tottenham um, in Josie Mourinho, they are they once again kind of levy out the, the death blow. Orsic loves scoring. I mean, a hat-trick against Tottenham, and so he destroyed part of North London, and now he's just got a guy sacked. Now, yeah, now he has a set on West London. Someone's got to sign him. <laughs> He's great. This was so. There's a there's a lot to dive into with this. There's a lot of tentacles coming off of this. Um, we'll get into as many of them as we possibly can. Here, let, let's go back though and listen. I want to listen to Tuchel after yesterday's match because to see him, you'll only be able to hear him. To see him, it looked like a defeated man. Which I understand. They're in the and he has had that general tenor throughout these last few weeks. I felt certainly in the press conferences, he's had the look of a man who who knew the walls were closing in. Yes, and but he he was decidedly less tetchy in this one and much more um, 
resigned. Here he was on BT Sport after yesterday or after Tuesday's defeat. What do you see your role as now in terms of how you try and get a reaction out of the players? Because I'm sure you've tried to already. Sure, sure. And I need to find a solution for the next match, of course. And what did you say to them at half-time? We made some changes. We encouraged them. We uh, told them to play with more emotions, to play tougher, to, to, um, to, to step up. And, um, but uh, it's obviously hard at the moment for us. Are you worried by the start to the season? No, not really. It's not enough. It's not enough. This has nothing to do with a worry. It's a reality. Thomas, thank you. Sure was. He, ju- he just walked off. Yeah, yeah. There was something in there that to me is revealing. Uh, maybe it's reading too deeply into stuff that managers say. You know, th- their heads are spinning after a match like that. I'm sure his was. It looked like it was. You know, talking about what he was asked what he said at halftime. And I feel like his answer is kind of a microcosm for where things had gotten to with him in this club. He talked about more emotion. We need to step up. Like, there are no actual answers there. You've got players in that room looking to you for guidance on what we need to do to change things to win this game. Sometimes, yes, more emotion. Sure, fine. But, like, tactics matter too. And it felt like this was a situation where this guy had run out of ideas. I went to the passing map again. I I demanded to see a passing map. The shape was not much different from what we saw. In fact, it was almost identical except with a little bit more... um, A little bit more from... Uh, James because Reese James is back in the game so there's a little bit more on, the, on that right hand side but so much of the ball coming through Fafana um, so much of the goal coming through Fafana yeah. as well I, I can't remember who the commentator was yeah, my, my comment last week about his sprint speed didn't age well <laughs> no I mean look the numbers are what they are he is fast I'm telling you but, but at least he tried because there seemed to be six or seven other players who were like oh well Right. <laughs> what are we? What are we going to do here? Stand around? Nothing. Um, interestingly, uh, I, I also looked at the ball progression on the x and y axis, Andrew. Um, and just suffice to say that in terms of progression via via dribble, via carry, or progression via pass, Kovacic and Fofana, Koulibaly and Jorginho way out in front, and the attacking players. Uh, somewhere in the distance on that. So that kind of tells you a lot where the ball is going through, who's on the ball how they can't get it to where it needs to be. And a lot of sideways passing, Andrew. A lot of, a lot of the same stuff we've seen. And, and you're right about tactics because Tuchel constantly has gone down the intangibles route, emotion. Remember, what, what was the game he talked about? Toughness. We weren't tough enough. I think that was Leeds. Uh, I'm running out of the games that he's he's kind of talked about those things. Or Southampton. Southampton. Yeah. Someone like that. Toughness. We need to be tougher. Oh, and... Um, yeah, it, it, they need um, toughness. No, it's just cer- not that. At a certain point, you've got to be putting your players in position to succeed. It's not just about their toughness, their lack of mentality, their lack of heart, whatever it is he wants to say about them. He's not putting these attacking players in position to succeed. JJ, look, look at let's think about Chelsea's squad right now. Over the last, let's say, over the last year, who are the players on that team that you think are? are progressing in the right direction. I would say Reese James, and I would probably say Ben Chilwell, although he missed a huge chunk of last season through injury. So even he, it, it's tough to say. But like guys like, like think of other players on that team. Havertz, uh, Ziyech, no. Pulisic, obviously, we'll talk about no. that. But the most, the most concerning one, he had a good season last year, but Mason Mount, like that's the crown jewel of Chelsea right now. What's he done this season? 
Like these are these are young players who are who are expensive players, who are players that you think with with the right manager could potentially be the centerpieces of a title contending team that are all progressing in the wrong direction. And you can't just tell me, I know N'Golo Conte is vital to every team he's ever been on, whether it be Leicester, France, or Chelsea, we know that. But you can't tell me that removing him from the lineup should cause him to just implode like this. No. There's a lot of players on the field, they're looking around, and they just they don't seem to know where they're going. I mean, if you're Raheem Sterling, who's just walked into this, I mean, that is... I mean, it's got to be hugely concerning for him. And, and the guys who are good, or have been good, or you can say... Like, I would say Kovacic has has been a sterling player in that uh, in that midfield, a guy you can rely on. Um, the centre-backs, Silva, I guess. Uh, the goalkeeper, maybe, although he's had his gaffes of late. Yeah. It just I mean, seems... I Balaga played yesterday. Yeah, it just seems a bit of a, a bit of a mess. And, and no solutions coming from the manager. And then we hear the reports this morning of the disconnect between the manager... And the board, and once that happens, it's it's kind of done. He was, in fact, it, they seem to have been tolerating each other for some time. He was never their guy. No, he was never their guy. JJ, there but was. But you said that they did give him. I, I see. I don't want to put this all on Tuchel either. Like Todd Bowley has to has to shoulder some of the blame. They, if you're going to come in and gut everybody from the previous regime take away all that knowledge and install yourself as sporting director and not even really do that because we're hearing that one of the problems Tuchel had was he didn't want the signing responsibility he wanted to coach the team he wanted to, he wanted I'm sure he wanted to have a say in the players that come that came in but he didn't want that much of a say and apparently a lot of that was foisted on him he yeah, also, certainly you know another interesting little tidbit that came out of out of the reporting was um, how much Todd Bowley didn't like the firm, direct, and quick no to his suggestion of signing Cristiano Ronaldo. I just, I couldn't get this vision out of my head. You've got this guy coming in from California, right? Tanned, full of the corporate buzzwords, you know, a can-do kind of personality. And in the corner, he's got like this German philosopher, this dour German, like Immanuel Kant, who has to explain to him why he does not want anything to do with Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, that kind of vision. There is a, there's something that's not going to work there. There's, there's a disconnect between these two ideas. And it's been a manic window for them. They've spent unbelievable amounts of money. Yeah. Like the, remember when uh, under Lampard, when the the transfer ban was lifted, we talked about the two hundred million that was spent that summer. I mean, they've gone and done it again. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder how much of an impetus that was to this decision. If there was any kind of worry of uh oh, from Todd Bowley, we've gone out and look what I've just look what I've just done here with my checkbook. Have I handed this over to the wrong guy? Like he's watching these games week in, week out, and he's seeing high-priced attackers that are just producing nothing. Right. He might have suddenly thought, you know, what, what's the line from Rust Development? I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and you know, it's interesting too because this idea of Bowley being the one who moved in, got rid of everyone, took the reins. Gab Marcotti wrote about that today, okay. and what he wrote was interesting. Um, 
Gab is great. He says, I'm told it wasn't ego that turned Bowley into a wheeler dealer this summer. It was necessity. They couldn't hang on to Granaskaya, Czech, and McLaughlin, and they wanted to bring in the right experts to replace them. They were linked all summer with former Liverpool executive Michael Edwards, but to no avail. So rather than rushing into the wrong appointment, they asked Tuchel to double to do double duty with Bowley's help. Now we we did we did say that maybe a lot of what happens at Chelsea will be will come out of whether the the pursuit of Michael Edwards works out. And it, I mean... And it didn't. I mean, is there anyone else? You know... I I don't know. Rather than having Hank Scorpio himself doing the job. Um, Yeah, and I I guess... I find it weird that Tuchel didn't want to be more involved. Most managers are... are A lot of managers... I find that weird too. Do a lot of managers still want to do that? I don't know. I feel like a lot of managers want more control, but the way that the model has been set up in modern football is that they just don't get that. But I, f- I thought he would like that. Uh, the Independent noted on Wednesday how, quote, Tuchel's ideas were no longer transmitting and that he was a difficult character whose demands weren't always clear. Uh, further, a collection of players, quote, bristled that he didn't really trust them. Well, we know who the... <laughs> Where did that quote come from? Gee, I wonder. Yeah. Um, Hakim Ziyech Christian Pulisic Christian Pulisic I mean, Didn't Tuchel use those words almost exactly when talking about Pulisic that he didn't trust him yeah. earlier in the season uh, Tuchel's relationship with uh, ownership Todd Bowley is said to have become strained over the club's transfer strategy sources told ESPN All of this JJ kind of builds into something look we've been talking about Chelsea and Tuchel for, for weeks now really even before the season started we were talking about kind of being pre-concerned before a ball had even been kicked. Uh, People might be expressing some surprise today over this news, whether it's because of Tuchel's credentials or just the early nature of where we're at in the season. I am not one of those people. I was not surprised by this. I'm surprised that people were so surprised by this. I want to go back. Can we go back, JJ, in time a little bit? I... Did you charge the flux capacitor? July 27th, 2022, not that long ago. Just, I think it was a week or two before our season preview podcast. And we were talking about Tuchel and his job security. Here's here's some of that conversation. Uh, One of the questions, we always go through our 10 questions for coming into the season. And um, one of them is usually which manager we think is going to start out the season on the hottest seat. Uh, Doesn't necessarily mean who's going to be the first to get fired, that's kind of a different question, but who's kind of under some pressure to begin? Tuchel, I think, is, is on that list. Like, I don't think so. Uh, this, is a, this is a new ownership. They have no attachment to him. He's not their guy. But they're aware he's, of, they're he's already, aware of, the, he, of he's what's happened. He's already complaining about the squad. Maybe his philosophies are not aligned with what ownership wants in terms of players that they're considering. He would, I don't he'd th- be on my list of a guy I don't, under, under I some really pressure early. I really don't think early. so. I don't think so. Wow. And, and and you were very prescient there because you even said you pretty much quoted the papers today that their their ideas on, on, on players to bring into the club weren't aligned. Aligned was the word of the morning. See, it shouldn't be so surprising. We see, they were headed in the wrong direction. We all felt it coming into the season. Their style of play had grown had, it had gone stale. Like we talked about just a few minutes ago, players weren't progressing there. Like this is my naive Chelsea fans should be. I haven't gotten a great sense of the pulse of how they feel about this decision. If there's loyalty to this guy because he got them a Champions League, which I I do understand, but I would think if you're a Chelsea fan, this is a good day for you. 
I was naive because I thought if they sack Tuchel, there's no football people left in that organisation. That's why I didn't think they'd sack him. Well, that might be why they had to wait until the transfer window closed. They needed they needed somebody with... Now, look, Thomas Tuchel... <laughs> That's a very cynical way to look at it. Uh, look, ultimately, it's a Premier League football club. Like, he couldn't have been the only football person in the organization. He couldn't have been. Well, there what, had to be other people there. Why was he involved in... Because uh, he's the manager. And, and Todd Bowley probably thought... What's the old Bill Parcells line? Look, you want me to cook the meal, you got to let me buy the groceries. Like Todd Bowley comes from an American sports culture where maybe there the, 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 the to give a manager or a coach that responsibility is is almost flattering to them. Yeah. That like this this will get us started on the right foot. Adam Crafton had a tweet I thought was worth uh, reading. Some very generous interpretations of Todd Bowley's opening months operating Chelsea are going around. He's not the one who won the Champions League or held the club together when everything was falling apart in spring. Tuchel deserves a little more respect, in my opinion. Now, that is true. There was an, un- an inordinate burden put on Thomas Tuchel last spring. Like The, the club was, couldn't even fill its ground because it had sanctions from the UK government. The amount of uncertainty was immense. And he did hold them together. Now, Chelsea fans have already had a banner up to, to Todd Bowley, I mean, at the start of the season, which I thought was... Interesting, but a, a, bo- a, a, a ban- banner in support of him. They had a bully banner, yeah, because he's With, he's their savior, right? They needed someone well, to that, come in before the club basically that, that's the is view. no longer allowed to operate. That's the view, but in terms of saving the club or keeping the club on the right track, and in the Champions League and in that time of of uncertainty, maybe Tuchel deserves a little bit more credit for that. I mean, look, I'm not. I know I'm coming off sounding really harsh, I feel like, in my view of him. Um, maybe I just kind of have, like, I was quick to pull the trigger on Ranieri at Leicester City. Like, maybe I'm just a little more cold when it comes to moving on from managers, regardless of what they've done. Unless it's the Tottenham manager where you just hang on hoping things are going to change. <laughs> I mean, was that the case with me and Nuno? I don't think so. Maybe not. Um but I just, I don't know, I feel like to watch Chelsea right now and see these, like I, I, I've been parroting this line every week. I don't want it to, to become boring to anyone, but like, like I keep saying, this, the talent that Chelsea have gone out and bought to come into that club, for them to all be getting worse, for them to all look bad, we know that these are not all bad players. We've seen them succeed. So why is the message not getting through to these guys? Why is it that they're not improving? We're going. Eventually, go- you have you have no choice. You have to look at the manager when it continues to fail. You yeah. can't just be players that are all bad that aren't like you said. They're not. They're all not tough enough. They're all not tough enough. That they all have the wrong mentality. Like at a certain point, you're their leader. Where is the leadership? So I don't know. He came in. He got them a Champions League. He they were a, they were a wreck. They were in a bad place after Lampard. He steadied them. He Did more changed, than steady. He changed things up defensively, and he got that season back on track. And he did it in a way that was quick enough that it was able to to recover and win a Champions League against some really like the highest of high quality opposition. Like that all happened, but. Playing that style, I just wonder, like we saw it with Mourinho, if there's a shelf life to a style that is just not attack-friendly, um, 
And like that's the other thing too is okay if you want to play a defensive style, you've shown you can win with that. But they're leaking goals every week. I think Everton is the only match this season where they didn't concede. That was in the first game of the season. Um, yeah, that's the so other they're side. Gi- they're giving up goals every week against opposition that's not not that great. The general sense that he's lost the lost the dressing room and that things had gone against him in the dressing room is definitely you can you can really feel that. I mean, I I don't want to say that nobody tried to to get back, but when that ball breaks in Zagreb last night and you just see it's it's kind of so static. The response is so slow, and it's only Fofana left on his own, to just chasing back. Yeah. So look, I suppose it, the, we now move to who comes in. Well, it's Graham Potter. By all accounts, I think I saw. I don't know that anything's official, but I think Fabrizio Romano did tweet earlier today that it's they're in negotiations and it's inevitable now. Brighton gave permission. There was no there was no standoff on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I'm operating under the assumption that it'll be him. As someone tweeted tonight, uh, Louis Miles, the um, sports documentarian, tweeted Graham Potter and and the Poison Chalice. <laughs> So yeah, I mean Potter coming in is look. This is what I've said for it's. If I was wrong about Tuchel not being on the hot seat a few few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, I was definitely right when I tweeted and I got such abuse for it. I said Graham Potter is a better manager than either Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Frank Lampard, and now he's about to ascend to that point where we where we really see what he's yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say we'll find out, but we kind of, I mean, what he's done at Brighton is phenomenal. My, my concern, though, is what he what he did at Brighton was with guys like Dan Ashworth upstairs, you know, like a, a think tank, a properly set up structure, football and structure. He goes into Chelsea and he's got Todd Bowley. I mean, again, it's it just has to be more than two guys operating one of the biggest clubs in well, I, world football. I would imagine it will be a, a prerequisite to get somebody else in there. Like he will say, "I'm not coming in without without the guys I need, the analytics department, all those things." And and he's doing something different now. He's not buying thrifty. He's not looking to get Leandro Trossard or you know Sully March or Alexis McAllister or Neil Mope. Now he's he's shopping with the big boys. This week he's gone. Be... He's gone from working with. You know, I know Mope's gone to Everton, but like Mope, guys like that. You know, dogs of war. Guys who will run hard, who will do the things he needs to do to managing Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Yeah, but we don't know that there are players on Chelsea that won't do those things. I oh no, I think they will. I I think there are players there, but but this is different. I'm interested in the element of the thing that you talked about all the time when Pochettino went to PSG. The new level of ego that you'll be dealing with. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a step up in class of player from Brighton to Chelsea, but it's a step up in terms of ego as well. These are players at the top of the sport, and you know, I'm sure that there were players in you know, Brighton are a Premier League club. Like they're not, it's not non-league. No. So there's egos in that room. But you know, look at what happened with Obama Yang at Arsenal. Like this, right? But that's what I'm speaking to. I'm not saying it's just about getting him to run. I'm talking right, about like, you know when he's in Paris, uh, getting it. Well, I don't know what he does in Paris actually, but when he's in Paris and he's looking for him. Now, having said that, I like the appointment. I think that this is probably right now the. I mean, if you're talking about like hot, like up and coming managers. He's probably at the top of those lists. Oh, it's a great appointment. The romantic in me hates it. Because I love the idea that he would continue on. And how far can this Brighton team go? 
I mean, he loses a player or two almost every season. And they still seem to be better or, or maintain or get better. And I mean, they were magnificent against Leicester. I know Leicester are bad. And I know they let Leicester back into the game. But they then just blew them away. Mm-hmm. They play some beautiful stuff. And in a way, he deserves a shot at the big time. He deserves a Champions League club to see can can he bring it to the... You know, when he was away in Ostersunds, he had to get out of England to get where he needed to be. And in, there's something, I suppose, is romantic too, that he's come full circle and now he's in the Champions League. That's the progression. That's the way it should be. But there's another part of me that wishes, I suppose, it's like the idea of a manager just staying there because he loves the club, he's satisfied that he can take them and they can fulfil his ambitions. But maybe the real politique of football means that's just silly. You have to go. If you get that good, you have to go. And look, he stayed at Brighton probably a year longer than most people would have thought. Do you think so? I think a year ago, I mean, look, Tottenham were interested. He was one of the thousand managers that they were interested ahead of Nuno. Uh, but he didn't want to go there, seemed to be the report. So he, if you believe that, he kind of bided his time, waited for the right situation. Look, on paper, is this the right situation? I mean, it's a it's a bit of a, a mess. The The transfer window just ended, just ended where the previous manager kind of had his say over who the players are. So these aren't really his guys. Now, look, he had Kukurea just a year ago. Yeah. Uh, so that helps. Um, but look, when a top... I mean, it, it's Chelsea. Like, when they come knocking, these jobs don't... Well, I was going to say these jobs don't become available very often, but I don't know if that's true anymore. <laughs> I think they're kind of available every year. I just... I, I suppose I'm... The, I, I'd love for, like, other teams to continue to grow course, and be oh, yeah, competitive of and of and push the boundaries. I love that idea. But I feel like this is, like, a the, the top six, top four, whatever you want to call them. They're like a vortex. And eventually, it sucks you up if you're talented enough. There's no way you stay where you are. It's just economics. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I mean, it's hard for for a lot of us, Tottenham supporter, Liverpool supporter, or anybody else in the league, to be happy about Chelsea getting a really good manager. But I'd be happy for him. Sure, he sure. seems like a solid guy. Um, last bit on this, circling back to Tuchel. Right, I thought you were going to do Pulisic because <laughs> I because I think you've do, like there was a time in New York sports radio where someone would call in every day about A-Rod and the presenter would go, we're not doing A-Rod today. I I can't do A-Rod. I feel like that with with Pulisic. Purely out of spite, I now am changing gears and we'll talk about Pulisic. (laughs) I don't have much to say on him other than I think he's the he's feels like the big winner here. Did you hear Jamie Carragher's comments? Uh, Yeah, essentially that he may not be good enough to play at Chelsea, right? Yeah. Maybe. Might be. But we saw stretches... Where, where he certainly was. Right. I'm Because I, I don't want to go... We're, we're going to rehash all the stuff here. I would be more down what Thierry Henry said, where he said, okay, now's your chance. Put yeah. something on the table. Yeah. And look, I mean, who was it? I saw somebody tweet today that uh, all the Pulisic... Was it USMNT takes? One of the one of the USMNT. One of your friends. I love all those Twitter... I'm here for all of them. Uh, one of them, though, was saying like, okay, American fans are all celebrating today like we just won the World Cup. Uh, and that Todd Bowley is like a Greg Berhalter secret agent who infiltrated Chelsea to try to help Pulisic get back in the team. But like we don't know yet. Well, Graham, pa- Graham pa- Potter may have no use for Christian Pulisic, and the situation might worsen. Well, Pat Nevin was on off the ball this morning, uh, and he's pretty much as close to a Chelsea insider as you can get. And he suggested that he said, you know, Pulisic's a god. He's a god in America, and Todd Bowley is probably asking the question, 
why is this highly rated player not getting not working out for you? I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Mark Pulisic probably had a direct line to Todd Bowley. That's not that's a, just my guess. I'm not sure that's a good thing. That's just my guess. Um, no, what I really want to talk about to to kind of close out on this with Tuchel, um, a where will he work next? How do you see his like? I guess let me put the question a different way. Um, his stock is still high. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Does he come out of this like again? He he won a friggin' Champions that's League. That's the point. So, like, not a lot of managers have that on their resume. But with where things have kind of gotten to, and how toxic it feels like it's gotten, like if you were a club right now, if you were one, if you were a big club that had a, a vacancy, like if Antonio Conte went went Conte, like he can sometimes, went crazy, decided next week, I, I, if, they, if Tottenham get killed by Man City this weekend, he said, I, it's out, I'm out, I, I can't do it anymore. I don't think I'd be sitting here saying, let's get Tuchel on the line. I don't feel that you way You right may now. not be, but Daniel Levy doesn't operate that way. I mean, Daniel Levy's the man who brought Jose Mourinho, whose stock was pretty low at and the time. And then he acknowledged that mistake afterwards. Right, well, maybe he won't do that again. But there's definitely a big Italian team that would take him on, absolutely. And there's, a, there's definitely a team in Germany that I'm would I'm not saying too. he won't work again. I'm just saying if it were your club and that was the appointment, would you be excited? No. Okay, no. That's, that's what I'm asking. No, not right now. I need I need him to go elsewhere and put together a body of work that got Re-proof. me that reignited my my interest in him. I mean, his tenure with different clubs recently it, it it's not lengthy. No, but I mean, he did go to the petrochemical comp- uh, clubs mm-hmm. or the one former Petro. So if you look at it. Um, yeah, PSG was always going to be, once he didn't win the Champions League, once he didn't close out there, you're on the chopping block straight away. Why did he get close? Yeah, he did get close. Um, then he goes to Chelsea. and he Does it? He does it, and things just went really sour really quickly. So that his, was- his, his demeanour, of all things, despite the way his teams have played, his demeanour has been terrible mm-hmm. since pre-season. You know, nothing changes. I don't have the players I want when they got hammered by Arsenal. And he, if he cuts a difficult figure in, in, in the media, and now we're hearing reports he did with the owners, that would be a bigger turnoff for a lot of owners. They don't want to deal with that. Finally, the last thing rich people want is... Descent from, descent from, from beneath them. From beneath. Um, and so finally, that all kind of, with what you're saying here, it all blends in with the final question of his legacy at Chelsea. It's a really weird one. I, the Champions League, like we said, it's it's an incredible moment for that club. It was an, a, a great run, one of the greatest moments in the history of that club, un, undeniably. Um, but everything since was just off. It was just disappointing. It felt yeah. like from that Champions League, you thought, okay, they can kind of click on now and they can be there with City and Liverpool and they so clearly were not well, up for well, that. Well, the idea was that he's come in stabilised, they stopped leaking goals, they won the Champions League with a pragmatic enough approach mm-hmm. and now, the summer, we're going to see them kick on and play the kind of football that Chelsea fans want to see and that right. never happened. Who's the best available striker out there? Lukaku, get him in. Failure. Yeah. Didn't know how to use him. Said, we will not change our system for one player. Then then why'd you get him? Sounds like he was already on the outs with Granovskaya and everybody else there. Well, that's the thing is like, so thinking about the two, the the Lukaku thing. So like Lukaku doesn't fit your system. You're annoyed that he's there. 
Now you're given the keys and you're told to bring in your guys, but he didn't want that responsibility either. Like, which one is it? I don't know. It's a weird legacy. I still it's a weird I, legacy. I need the deep dive on the division of labor between him and, and Hank Scorpio. I, I need to see what that was. Maybe uh, someone, will, I'm sure, there, there will be stories written on this. This is, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. It was. Uh, whew, all right. Let's take a break. Let's collect ourselves. That was a lot. Because there's other football things happening. <laughs> I, know, I know. I can't even believe uh, how much more. It feels like that, that could almost be the end of the show. Uh, but no, there's a lot more. We'll take a break, gather our thoughts, and we'll come back with the, uh, with the Champions League recap and more. As well, an MLS minute, JJ. An MLS minute. U.S. U.S. Open Cup final is going on like as we speak. Will we give a score update? Does that work in this medium? We we grapple with this all the time. The ridiculousness of it. Seven minutes gone, nil nil. Like I gave an 89th minute update last week on the Red Bulls Toronto FC match. Oh, two one. Looks like uh, they're going to take. And then, what was it? Toronto FC? No, no, no. It was Toronto FC. Who was it? Whatever it was that happened, somebody scored in like the 96, then my whole update was it's meaningless. What are, there's no sense in Listen, giving updates. You giving stuff away. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. Oh, I'm intrigued. More caught offside still to come. Oh, back again on caught offside. Yeah, you got a pretty fierce reaction from some people for. <laughs> for what you said about uh, what, what's it called? Welcome, Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah, I saw that. I thought about fighting back, saying essentially that like it was talked about. I listened to um, what was it? Fo- uh, the Guardians is it? I confused football. We- it's Football Weekly. Guardian, Guardian Football Weekly. I remember them talking about it. Like I, th- I don't think that spoiling the result of a sporting event five months after it happened is the same as spoiling the end of a movie. Like, it's more conceivable that, like, people have But, like, have people seen aren't... Like, people deliberately did not look up the scores once they knew there was a documentary coming out. That's is the, that vi- actually that, That's true. the vibe. Plus, they're not, they're not looking at the... I defended you initially, and then I backed down. Um, <laughs> you, don't, you don't need to defend me. I'll speak for myself. Uh, the, people aren't tuning into the Vanarama National League. So they, they, they could conceivably have gone this length of time without knowing how this plays out. They really could. They really could have. Um, my girlfriend Darcy was apoplectic. Oh, all right, she was enraged, and she <laughs> likes you. So <laughs> these people—they don't even know you like she knows you. And and I think maybe an apology is in order. My ego won't allow it. <laughs> I know that I should. I am sorry. It was not necessary. Um, I think I'm just surprised just because, like, I don't know. I, I guess I thought more people knew how that, what had gone on there. Like, those two guys are a big deal. Like I said, I heard it talked about on other shows. I went on Twitter, and the video was everywhere. Like Of Rob in, freaking out. In the in the owner's box. Like, yeah. So I guess I just didn't realize that it was a secret. Like, it's a, spoiling. I don't know. You're right. Like, ultimately, you're right. Not everyone is attuned to what's going on in that league. The Vanarama um, National League. Right, and I'm not. But it's only because I just saw it in so many places that I just, I don't know, I just didn't I didn't think that it was a thing that could be spoiled at this point. But, yeah. but I mean, you're, you, are, you are right. I shouldn't have done it. Um, and I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. It's, that's pretty good. I think that's uh, that's a good apology. That's uh, I mean, if, yeah, full-bodied, full-throated apology. It didn't need to be said. I said it anyway. Um, yeah, that's it. That's, I, it. I, that's big of you. I think. I think people will appreciate it. Okay. Through. Now we move on. I felt I did feel bad. I saw some of the tweets. I thought, uh, uh, uh I shouldn't have done it because you know how much I hate that. Oh, you just. Oh, I mean, I've, I know you, exactly. Well, you've been on the receiving end because you take you you of all people to be lecturing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Hypocrisy. Thy name is JJ. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So, where other, are we going now? Where are we going now? Tell me where. Going, where are you taking me? We're going to Europe. Right. We're going to go to Italy. Oh. To a little town called Naples. Oh, Jesus. Where a thing happened that you just don't see in this era, and that is an utter taking apart of a dismantling, a destruction, a beatdown. Napoli four, Liverpool one. Yeah. What happened? Just. Beat down is the word. Hammering is the word. It's a long time since Liverpool. And I know what people are going to say. They're going to say, what about the Aston Villa 7-2? Uh-uh. Nothing compared to this. Liverpool were at least in that game. Duh, that was horrifying. It gets a way worse team. Oh, no. This is... This is... This... The way they were out... This was worse than allowing re- seven versus Villa? Par- listen. Listen, you dimwit. Oh, while yeah. I'm explaining. Park the goals. Stop being so fixated with the scoreboard for one second. In terms of being dominated and overrun and completely outfought, it could have been 5-0 at halftime mm-hmm. to Napoli. That's how good they were. And Grisa ran the show from the middle of the park. Zelensky all over it. Uh, Kavica, Ka- I knew I'd do it. Oh, I knew I'd do it. If only you all could have heard him practicing before the oh, show. Oh, Kavicha, uh, Kavara. <laughs> ah! No! <laughs> Kavara Skylia. Kavicha, Kavara Skylia. The Georgian. Well, at least I tried. Like, Clint Dempsey on the broadcast wouldn't even touch it. Um, had it just an unbelievable game. And. Joe Gomez did not. There were Liverpool players who weren't at it. The Liverpool team just had no legs in midfield, no intensity. Liverpool played the high line. If you don't put pressure on the ball when you play a high line, you're cooked. And they got absolutely smoked. And Napoli, this team that's been kind of dismantled and they've started again with them. Uh, Luciano Spalletti's side were just brilliant. They were brilliant. And I loved the first version of Napoli. I loved the Insigne Dries Mertens iteration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this was this was great. And all I could watch, or all I could think when I watched Anguisa, like, he was having a party in there. No one could get close to him. Picking passes, rolling his foot over the ball, setting the tempo, winning, winning second balls, all that stuff. And when I watched him, all I could think of was, that's the kind of energy, that's the intensity, that's the size, that's the athleticism, that's the skill that you need in there. And Liverpool don't have it. Liverpool's midfield was Fabinho, who is scarily three, four steps off it. Mm -hmm. Harvey Harvey Elliott, who's not big, who's not quick, right? Mm -hmm. And then James Milner, who... Gave, gives away the penalty it's a definite penalty then gets yellow carded like all within the opening 15 minutes of the game and is just Andrew uh, 
there's nothing you can do to keep the cold hand of Father Time off your shoulder. That can't be your starting midfield. But we've ended up that that's the case. Thiago came in, did a little bit better. Uh, Diaz was the only player, Liverpool player on the field that you could say that was uh, that was a good performance from him. He scored a good goal. He was always he always looked good. He, you know, just just a beating. Every team takes a beating, but this was a hammering. Uh, I would go as far as to say it was a humiliation. An XG of four point five nine for Napoli to one point one seven for Liverpool. I mean, it could. I mean, they missed a penalty. Mm-hmm. They did it. Did, um, another man, uh, men who completely ran the show as well, uh, gave nightmares. Will give nightmares to Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez hooked at halftime, by the way. But uh, for some reason, uh, Virgil Van Dijk stands on his foot. The, it's a brilliant ball from Anguissa again. Stands on his foot. He he goes over. Definite definite penalty. And um, instead of having uh, Zelensky take it who's already scored one, you have a man whose foot's just been trodden on, who take the worst run-up, like just just a terrible run-up, and uh, Alisson guesses and saves it correctly. So it could have been, like it could have been 3-4 at halftime. Just, uh, Klopp said afterwards, if Wolves are watching this, who we play next, they'll be, they'll be laughing. And um, it was just dreadful. And how do you, how do you coach that kind of intensity? I, I just think back to the midfield of, of 2018 and it was it was not about creativity. It was about athleticism and intensity. That midfield wouldn't have let you turned. You wouldn't have got turned in that midfield. Remember that when Pep came to town in the Champions League quarterfinal in, in 1718 and they, Liverpool just turned Manchester City over in the first 30 minutes. City were shell-shocked. That intensity is not there, and I don't know how you get it back. This run for Liverpool has been inhuman to play, it has. as you've always referred to it, heavy metal football, and to have done it as long Tra- as they it's have. It's been trash metal. <laughs> for them to have done it as long as they have, in as many high-pressure moments as they have against quality opposition going deep in tournaments year after year, going to the, the final day of the season, feels like year after year, battling with this machine that's Man City. Uh, it Like, you want to be mad at them if you're a Liverpool fan, I'm sure, because, you know, they're not... You think you got a good team, and they're just not playing well, but I just think that this is... I wouldn't go so far as to say get used to this, because, like you said, a, a thrashing like this, you're not, don't get used to that. Like, that that's bad. Uh, and this is still a good Liverpool team, but this is not going to be that season. I just, I really feel strongly that this is just, there's going to be a reset year. And I think, I think you're looking at it. And I, I'm not one of those people that always screams at them. You know, you've got to get, you've got to get players into that midfield. But that midfield needs a complete overhaul. It just does. Um, it was Tony Evans we had on. Remember the collapse during during COVID. The, the spring of 21 where Liverpool are just falling apart and we had Tony Evans on of the Independent and he said don't forget that when the fullbacks go forward those midfielders are always clued in to cover that hole in behind mm-hmm. we, we, don't, we don't have the legs anymore we don't have the legs to do it now there are players to come back in we know that but we need a fully fit Henderson and even then I mean he's no spring chicken he's got a lot of miles up Thiago Thiago is excellent at that kind of job he's a good passer but he's also tenacious he intercepts balls but every time he goes to stretch those groins of his I'm, I'm worried mm-hmm. 
I'm just I'm worried all the time now. So you're right about the way this season is. The the omens are not great. No, they're not great at all. And the, the disaster scenario would be that they don't um, don't make Champions League. And that, which I think is on the table. I I, I think it's. I, it's it's potentially on the table, or that they're in a fight for it. I, I think it's more likely there'll be some kind of a fight for it. I don't think that fourth spot is is locked up by by any means. If my one, two, and three is what I think it might be, but we'll get to that. I mean, you see the way Arsenal look. Uh, you see, you know, Tottenham are still unbeaten without it. Feels like having played their best football yet. Manchester United are starting. To, I mean, maybe this is starting to click in some way for them. You know, we'll see what happens with Chelsea if Potter comes in, new manager bounce, things change, and you know, so I, I agree. I think there is there could be a fight to be had for Champions League places for Liverpool. I will say this though, your overreaction of the week award uh, goes to the, whoever the reporter is that asked this question. So Fabrizio Romano tweeted, Jurgen Klopp when asked if he's worried about getting the sack like Tuchel at Chelsea. Quote, not really. This is not the case. Our owners are rather calm and expect me to sort the situation and not think someone else will, Klopp says. That was via uh, James Pierce. I think that's um, fair. Fair assessment. I don't think it's going to go like that. They've committed very recently to him for 2026. You talk about a manager who has earned the right. Like, if we're going to say that Tuchel, if people are, who was it, Adam Crafton saying that Tuchel earned has earned more respect than this. Yeah. If we're going to say Tuchel earned more respect, then what do we say about Klopp? He has earned the right for Liverpool to have a setback season and for him to be the guy to find the way or, out. Or a transitional season or whatever you want to... But I think as well about... Like this, is, this, this thought is madness to me. Okay, go get someone better than him. You know the way... Uh, Fergie used to say after three or four years you got to freshen it up you got to bring new players in yeah. he got rid of a lot of high profile players Liverpool are over that threshold now with some of these guys and and you know they need Salah to snap out of whatever torpor he's under like he, they, they really do tonight like that's the other thing in other games where Liverpool have been under the, under the cosh in the last few years they've always had that quality to get out They've to find a way through. It's not like they've dominated every game they've ever played in. They've had rough moments, mm-hmm. but they've always been able to get out of it. And Trent Alexander-Arnold finds him with this unbelievable ball. And he just gets distracted and he misses his first touch and he's in. And usually his first touch from a hanging ball is deadly. And it goes out over the over the end line. And you're like, he's not right. So there's there's players who need to hit for him again. There's players who need to get fit. But... Like I said, it's hard to shake off age. Age is not like Milner's not getting any younger. Milner, I mean, it's, he can't it's crazy to me that he's anymore. playing as much as he is right it's now. It's crazy. This club. I mean, he's been on the goal since he's been 15, 16. Yeah. You know? Let's keep going here because uh, we got a bunch more. We'll go through some of these a little no, bit let quicker. Kavicha, Kavara, Skylia. Feel better? Yeah, I feel better. I just, you know, I wanted to give him his due because he was excellent tonight. Little Georgian. <laughs> Didn't think it would take us this long to get to PSG Juventus, but here we are. 2-1, fun game. Um, Sensual football. I mean, when look, say what you want about PSG, the way the the way they're run, whatever. Um, They'll give us moments of incredible joy and, some, and pleasure. Sometimes you watch them play and you thought, this is this is not a game that I'm watching. This is like a YouTube highlight compilation. What about that scooped pass? And it's oh a scooped God. pass, not a chipped pass, folks. That makes it harder. A chip is a strike. It's it it gets under the ball, all right. But he's lifted this like his like his foot is a hand and flipped it up for for Mbappe, who was just on it. 
absolutely on it, smashes it home. The second goal, the finish was even better. The quick rapid fire one-two on the edge of the box, and then the volley. We could have a fun debate about that. I think the concentration of a ball being lifted over your shoulder like that first one to hit it, to not just hit it as hard as he did, but he like it's placed perfectly. But, like, keep, he didn't but just the keeper fire got that. the keeper got a bit of a touch, which makes All it right, different. But, I mean, but that's why I think the the other one is is cleaner, is better. <laughs> I can't have the keeper having a touch on on a, on a sensual goal. I, look, I love them both, um, and they're both great team goals. I mean, the first one, like you said, the pass from Neymar. The second one, it's like, you know, it, it's like. Hakimi and Mbappe were sharing a brain with how that was transpiring in front of them. That just like the action was was like predetermined. It was they were both great great goals to watch, aesthetically pleasing. It's and so even, f- even in, the, in the second half, a goal that didn't happen. But like the way you drew it up when they signed Messi, I mean, there's the one move JJ where what was it? Back heel from Neymar. Messi then takes it first touch. Plays the pass in perfectly to Mbappe, who just scuffs it. it. It was a rare kind of bad moment for Mbappe. He scuffed the shot and put it wide. But like just watching the three of those guys link up when they're kind of when they're at their best. I don't know how this is all going to go. Last year was disappointing. Um, it was weird. Things just didn't work. Maybe they needed a season. Maybe Messi needed a season to kind of figure out a whole new environment, a new way of playing, new things being asked of him. I don't know. Um, but if it does work, again, I know that PSG is no one's favorite, but from a pure aesthetic standpoint, I don't hate the idea of watching them go deep in the competition. No, I loved it. And uh, the slow motion replay showed Bonucci's face when 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 Neymar scoops the pass. And his mind, his face just gives you, oh, this is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> That's all you can say. Uh, the, just before we get off it, Reading the stats on on the game, uh, reading the stat guys on the game, the tactics, fellas. <laughs> There's still not enough uh, of the workload being shared, and that may ultimately be their downfall yet again. How is it going to fly against a better team than Juve? Mm-hmm. That's fair, and, and and that's a question. Um, because you're right, this looked like it could have gotten out of hand. It was, and it did not. It was two nil after 22 minutes, and and PSG looked great, and. And like you said, it very much did not. This, I mean, both teams had chances after that. Obviously, Juve scored one. We'll talk about that in a sec. Um, but like, there were other chances where this this could have gone differently. And th- and that's the question, Mark Andrew. For can the can the unbelievable moments of of simpatico between these amazing players overlie and 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 outweigh their flaws? Yeah, you're I right. Don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's a good question. Um, Mbappe, it was his seventh multi-goal game in his Champions League career. Since Mbappe's Champions League debut in the 16-17 season, only Erling Haaland has recorded more such games in that span among players age 23 or younger. He has eight. We are now very much in the Haaland-Mbappe era. It was my question for you. It was going to be like... Magic and Bird, Federer and Nadal, Brady Manning, Messi Ronaldo is are we is Holland Mbappe can it can it be that? It, it feels like that. There is one crucial flaw to that. They're not in the same league. Yes. I think that that will get in the way. I, I really do. I think 
Not but, enough games against well, it's each other. It's not just that they're not in the same league. They're not in a comparable level of competition. Yeah. And that's going to hurt Mbappe's numbers constantly. So they need... I mean, I think the numbers to go on for this rivalry... It, it, because Mbappe's being handed the keys to the club, apparently. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon. A lot of his prime years are going to be taken up with PSG. Mm-hmm. So I think, in fairness, Champions League achievement is going to be the deciding factor between these two players. It has to be because Holland just plays in a tougher league. Um, that's not to discredit the French league because there's a lot of good players get plucked out of there. Look, facts are facts. The Premier League is better than league. Uh. There we go. Um, also, Donnarumma on the McKinney goal. That's another thing for, for me as well. He just okay. goes missing. Now, it's a brilliant header. because He can rise up. Because he has to get up. But... Donnarumma just leaves the. It's 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 a fairly centrally located header because Donnarumma's gone missing. He's come to get it, doesn't get anywhere close to it, and the ball is behind him very very quickly. And like McKenny, brilliant, awesome, but I do think Donnarumma is sometimes just prone to these these kind of wanderings. Maybe that was obviously not where my head was at as that was all transpiring. I was uh, high-fiving everyone. I was running down the street, high-fiving Americans, saying Weston McKinney just scored a goal in the Champions League. Against PSG, um, look, it's good to see. He comes on as a halftime sub, and what what do you want from halftime subs? Make an immediate impact. Well, he went and did that. The guy's great in the air. He's great in the air. He's proven that with the U.S. and with Juve as well. Um, It's his third Champions League goal. Two Americans have more. JJ? Two Americans have more Champions League goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christian Pulisic. With seven. And... Timmy Chandler. No. No. Uh, it's a tough one. I feel like this guy has been the answer to other trivia questions. You never think of him, and then every time we say it, you always say, oh, of course. Don't know. DeMarcus Beasley with four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should think of it. I know. You should, but... You forget that, like, PSV it. Eindhoven was like a Champions League giant. He, he went, <laughs> like he went early... to the semifinal with them. I know, I know. Uh, yeah, but Weston McKinney. Good for him, man. Good to see coming off an injury that you weren't sure how, how long it was going to keep him out, and uh, it didn't. Also, rumors of Allegri wanted to get rid of him yeah. all, all through the summer, so it's good that he can make make that stand. We'll go a little quicker now. Celtic, nil, Real Madrid, three. Um, you tweeted something <sighs> that I thought was spot on. It really has nothing to do with the game, but one of the things when you tune in to a Celtic match in that home stadium for them against a club like Real Madrid, yeah, you're turning in for the game, but let's be honest. You're turning in for the lungs. Yeah, 100%. You're turning in for the Scottish lungs. To feel the, the, the hairs on the back of your neck rise. Right. So two things bothered me about this. One, I would have liked Celtic to score, so I could have heard that Celtic crowd and go crazy. And they should have. Yeah. Um, but two, it felt like the crowd volume was really low on it, the feed. I don't want to be <laughs> a conspiracy theorist. By the way, a big conspiracy section later on in the podcast. Ooh, Huge. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, JJWars.com. Um, <laughs> no, it was... Uh, it felt like they weren't at the game, Alan Smith and, and, the, and the main commentator. I also heard that the commentators... I guess they were the commentators that would have been for the UK feed as well. Lots of people were complaining that they were not getting the full, uh, what is it, the parabolics? They weren't hearing everything. 
That's that's shortchanging people. Yeah. If I'm paying money for a subscription to watch Champions League football, I need to hear Celtic Park. Did you hear what Modric said afterwards? He literally thanked Celtic Park. Special night, amazing atmosphere. Messi was quoted as talking about it was one of the greatest games of his life because of the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You can't deny people that. What's the point? Really so it wasn't annoying. just me and you, because I, like I said, I saw you tweet about it. It, it, it sounded like they were in a, in a booth. And look, I understand the necessity to do that, but where that no longer exists. But that shouldn't matter. There should still be. You get a feed, like games that are done in the booth. You still get booth a get, you still get oh, a feed from the stadium well, with crowd noise. With with so like somebody. So this just, was just bad. Yeah, I think it wasn't to go real. Like I don't think it was mixed right. Like I don't think the audio was mixed. I don't know. I just. You're going inside you baseball felt, you, here. You felt yeah. a little shortchanged. Yeah, no, I, think I, you're, I think you're wholly correct. Before we move off it, and no, the, uh, by the way, I I did have more oh, you on did. the game. It Sorry. wasn't just yeah. the crowd. Right. Okay, because I was afraid. Because I I, I don't want to run past how good Celtic were. No, the were. first 20 minutes they were unbelievable. The way, like, and it wasn't just that they they took the game because we've seen Celtic sides take the game to to the opposition before. They've had famous wins over Barcelona, Juventus there, but they actually look good doing it. They passed the ball well. I mean, they might. You could say they maybe should have scored within 30 seconds. Yeah, and and then later on, McGregor hits the woodwork after a brilliant move. Um, Abada should have scored after one of the best passes you'll see from Jota. Jota, Jota would have had the assist oh. of the tournament on day one had that, <laughs> it honestly. So, the, it didn't make sense how good the pass was. Um, Abada didn't score. He hit it straight at Courtois, so whatever. Um, and then Dyson made in the opening minutes of the second half kind of just forgets his feet and just slashes at a ball where he's like, what, five, six, seven yards out, should have scored. And then Real Madrid show their quality. Because that Vinicius opener mm-hmm. is about as good a goal as you will see anywhere in the world. It was magnificent. Started on the right-hand side. The ball... Uh, who, who played the ball? Can you recall who played the ball across to Vinicius? Uh, Valverde, right? <sighs> Wasn't it Federico Valverde, I think? Jesus. What a pass. And again... Celtic and uh, Liverpool holding hands, united in, not knowing where Vinicius is on the left-hand side. (laughs) And he finishes brilliantly. And um, Eden Hazard, who came on for the injured Karim Benzema, which is probably the talking point to come out of this game, holding his knee. Have we any update on that? Good question, actually. Yeah. Anyway, I'll keep blathering on while you look for that. Um, So Hazard comes in for him, and Hazard... Talk about the father time. Hazard, for the first few uh, actions, as the managers call them these days, didn't look good. Falling around the place looked kind of not really what we expect from him. But he had a really good second half, got a goal himself. And unfortunately, if you don't score before, as Liverpool found out, if you don't score against a team like Real Madrid when you've got your purple patch, that's it. And uh, that was it for Celtic. But um, A month, by the way, is what they're estimating Benzema. A month, that's a lot of football. In a, yeah, and I would say, uh, I mean, Real Madrid will will hold their breath a little bit, and France. I would say a nation will be holding their breath as well yeah. for the form Benzema has been. And he's thirty four years old. Don't you know, like that. You don't like knee knocks at that at that at any I, age. I don't believe this was knee. Um, I'm reading here oh. at ESPN FC following tests carried out on our player Kareem Benzema by the Real Madrid Medical Services. He's been he's been diagnosed with an injury to the semitendinous tendon and a strain to the quadricep muscle in his right thigh. Oh, his quad. recovery will continue to be assessed. The so, old quad. A, mo- a month is the it, look. If it's a month, I would say sigh of relief. Could have been worse. Yeah. 
I think that would be the take on it. But um, yeah, look, when Real Madrid, when they're going, um, like you said, the, the Vinicius goal, to still watch Modric do what he's doing, you know, just like a flick of the outside of his what, boot. What is going on there? That is like unbelievable. Um, he's, his ability to to dominate games. Yeah, and they're still, they're scary good on the counter. Um, we'll go next, we'll kind of blur the lines here of the Real Madrid and let's go to Manchester City. Um, and I'm just kind of wondering, we never really got into like a full Champions League preview of the whole competition. So we never really had a chance to kind of say who our our favorites are, who what our predictions would be, who we think will win it. Um, Real Madrid, Manchester City, I feel like these are the teams that are going to be at the top of most people's lists. I'm wondering if you're in, of like mind. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how that – I think it was uh, – oh, who was it online? Can't remember, but basically most of the sports betting books had Liverpool at two, and I wonder if today completely changes wow. that. Um, P, uh, PSG, obviously, there. Real Madrid, based on that second half, yes. Um Manch- and, and Manchester City. City, right there. And I, for me, it's for me. No, it's I Manchester saw, City. I, I saw Ajax hammer uh, Rangers today. I wonder could they could they go on a little run too? But you're not like mm. City. Look, I'm not talking about them winning it. Oh, okay. I'm talking about just. I'm trying to flesh out what like maybe the quarterfinals might look like. I mean, none of um, us. We haven't mentioned Bayern yet. But I mean, Bayern. Yeah, Bayern put away an Inter that really just aren't up to. We it. Haven't mentioned Barcelona. That's early. I don't. They're they're good. I know they put away Vittoria Pletzen, but um, Levin, well, we'll get to let, let me let me. You can think on it. You I would say I would, It's all right. I mean, there's a lot of people have City as favorites, and and I would concur with that. This guy JJ, it's like Erling Holland was created in a lab. Like this combo of speed and power, the the goal that he scores, where he just like he like stabs the ball into the net. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just. He's a machine. He's not human. Uh, 25 career Champions League goals in 20 games. Fastest player to reach 25 goals in Champions League history. Faster than Messi, even. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, it's just like this this feeling of watching him gel with De Bruyne. <laughs> the two of them, and like the chemistry that is being developed right before we, our eyes. And it's just like, what have... This Frankenstein monster, Europe, what have we created here? European football could really do with... With a Kevin De Bruyne injury. Oh my God, you are. A... I'm not wishing it. I'm just saying, what's going to stop? Tell me what will stop you're them. You're right up against the edge of wishing. That's what? how it sounded. But but that's the only thing that will stop them. I... I mean, look, let's be honest. We we say something like that every year, and Man City are still waiting for that first trophy. <laughs> so I don't know. I can't wait for the semi-final first leg or second leg when Pep goes. Erling, I'm going to need you to sit this one out. <laughs> <laughs> I, but you know he is the guy that was complaining a few weeks ago that the ball was the actions were happening too quick and the ball was being played to Haaland much too fast against yeah, New, they, against Newcastle. Which they really seem, appear to be struggling, which seems like a real hollow complaint right now. But to go to Sevilla, I know they're not. They've had some players leave and and certainly at, maybe not defensively as what they used to be. But to go there and just like rack up four, it does not look difficult for them right now. No, it doesn't. I think that's going to become a common theme. Tottenham, back in the Champions League, great atmosphere, uh, although things got a little frightening at the end with Marseille supporters apparently lobbing fireworks into the, the Tottenham home stand. Like, if you're just, like, 
if you're just a dad that brought like your eight year old kid to go watch a Champions League game, like you got to deal with that. I, mean, I don't know. Where say supporters are. <laughs> That tone is yeah. uh, is getting quite the football reputation. Yeah, it certainly is. But uh, two nil, it goes to Spurs. This was a weird game. If you didn't watch it and you what, saw that, can I ask line, you why? What was this about Marseille not turning up on time? They turned up with an hour to kick off, and you're supposed to have a mandatory ninety minutes. So I think there was fifty five minutes. I think is what they said before the game started that they got there. I don't, I don't know what was. I assume it was traffic, uh, getting to the ground. From I don't the, know from exactly. their hotel. Yeah, I, I don't know. You're right. I. I I'm not sure. It was strange. There was talk that the game might have needed to be delayed. It wasn't. They yeah. did. They did kick off on time. Um, weird game, in the sense of. Like, I didn't see any of it, so right, I, I'm I leaning. I'm leaning on you. I got you, big man. Don't worry. Um, weird game in the sense of if you just see the scoreline, you might think, okay, Tottenham probably in control. Of this this was not a very good game. Um, Tottenham. Tottenham haven't played a good game in forever. It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't feel like we've we have not seen them click yet they've had like individual moments of brilliance where you can kind of see that this can work but in terms of putting together a complete 90 minutes it hasn't happened um again kind of slow to start it's not that Marseille were tearing up the pitch and and just having their way with Spurs it wasn't like that neither team were great um Marseille went a man down Sun was dragged down with just the keeper to beat um just outside of the 18 so it wasn't a penalty but it was an easy red card but even after that like that was, I forget exactly. It was early in the second half. Tottenham still went like twenty plus minutes or so after that without generating a shot on target. And then finally, you know, you, you play a team who are down a man on the road for that long. They're going to start to wear down. Tottenham are the more talented side, and they did. And JJ, this is the Richarlison game. This is what this game will be remembered as. You'll talk to a Tottenham fan in twenty years. Say, remember that the Richarlison game? It'll be this one against Marseille. He's fantastic. He brings this energy to Tottenham. But it's not just like what we used to talk about—the Lamella in energy that he would bring to Tottenham when it was kind of just like, okay, go out there and just like be chaotic for a while and see what you can see what you can kind of dig up. This guy can score goals too. He's also a really talented, gifted player. Uh, two headers, scores on. Uh, First time he's had multiple headed goals in a game in his career. And, you know, we all have, I'm not going to say that Richarlison and Granit Xhaka are an exact comparison, but but I'll use their names together in a sentence because, like, Richarlison is another guy who I, I sometimes wonder, like, what's he like? Because he's always got this really kind of angry disposition on the field. We talked about him at, at Everton, how he has resting angry face. Like, he's got that disposition. Um, he does things that, kind of irk people like we saw against Nottingham Forest with the showboating. So you wonder, like, what's this guy all about? He kind of let you in a little bit after this game, JJ. He scored two goals. You could you could tell that, a, like, not to be too dramatic, but like a dream was coming true right before your eyes. He wanted to play in the Champions League. It's why he came to Tottenham. He wanted these nights. And when the game ended, he found his, I think it was his parents in the stands, and he broke down. He was sobbing in, wow. his, in his dad's arms. He was hysterical, and like um, you saw, Perisic came over and you know kind of gave him a hug, and it was it was a really cool moment for this guy because you just felt like this was the realization of of a lifelong dream to not just be in the Champions League, but in in a building of sixty plus thousand chanting your name. You score two goals to give your team the win. It was really cool, and I know his name has kind of been in the mud a little bit because you know people didn't like the keepy uppies, but. 
Well, it's more can, than that. If you can get past that, I this mean, was really cool. He, he loves spending time on the ground. He's he's just that general disposition of he's a just, he's just not likable if you're an opposition supporter. Uh, by the way, it was a, amazing. Uh, Premier League. Remember him, all stars uh, from Marseille. Uh, Ma- Mario Gunduzi, Nuno Tavares, Bailly. Eric Bailly. Um, who else was there? Uh, Dimitri Payet didn't come on. Said Kalasinitz. Yeah, yeah. Or Kalasinats. Yeah, amazing. That is, yeah, you're right. That is, you're right. Um, it's interesting with Tottenham. Uh, last bit on them as they move forward here. I don't know. This is like Conte's got some. He's got some like interesting road ahead in terms of figuring out this eleven, because um, like Richarlison is he's made himself undroppable. You have to play him, mm. but I don't know what Kulisevsky has done to have lost his place. Uh, Son is the one that kind of has the crosshairs on him right now because he has struggled to start the season. He hasn't scored a goal yet, uh, so like you're not getting from Son what you the sort of production that you thought you'd be getting. But Conte is clearly. He's not willing to drop this guy. I think ultimately... I think rotation is going to be... Yeah, this will all, I guess, shake itself out because they're just playing an obscene amount of games in such a condensed window. So I guess it'll all get figured out. But I'm, ha- I'm just happy Matt Doherty... We've got he an, got on. We've got an Irish player who's played Champions League minutes. Outfield. For the first time in quite some time. Yeah, he got on as a sub in this one. But yeah, for Tottenham fans, this was a fun one. Um, their first night back in the Champions League after a couple years away, and it was... Uh, Glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur kind of night. It was cool. Uh, let's see. IX4, Rangers nil. I don't have much on this one. IX absolutely destroyed them and uh, it was not a great night for, for James Sands. Uh, yeah. Two bad games for him, where his team have been kind of outmatched. The old firm at the weekend and now in the Champions League. So nothing great to report there. Barcelona 5, Victoria Plitzen 1. Only saw a few of the goals. Looks as if it was a cakewalk for, for Barcelona. They are like... I keep saying it about them. People want to make jokes, their financial situation, just like the general atmosphere around this club, but they're like don't let all of that confuse you. <laughs> they're really they're really good and Robert Lewandowski has not missed a beat. You know he's got now uh, a Champions League hat-trick for three different clubs. He's the first player to do that. That's incredible. I think that's an incredible stat. I love that stat. Um 89 career Champions League goals, breaking a tie with Benzema for third most in Champions League history, obviously behind says he's Messi en- and Ronaldo. Says he's enjoying playing. He says when you play yeah. with this many quality players. Eight goals in five games so far for Barcelona yeah. in all competitions. I'd say he's enjoying it quite a bit. They have a chance. They have a no chance to be scary. No one's saying they do No, people are not mentioning their name the way that, the way that the way you that want be. them to. Yeah, okay. that's right. All Just right. like last season with Real Madrid. Okay. And who was right? Wow. Um, yeah. Inter nil, Bayern 2. Here's a sneaky good player who doesn't get mentioned a lot that I'm going to throw some props to right now, JJ. Oh. Scoring his 17th Champions League goal tonight, fourth most by a German international in this competition, was Leroy Sané. Sneaky good player. I think I think, I think, think very good player, but I think player who, because it didn't work out with Man City and, and, and everybody is so Anglo-centric, and he had that injury then as he moved to Bern. That kind of just cost him that little bit of time in our consciousness, in our minds. But he took his goals. Ex- I, I won't let you do that. He took his goals extremely well. I remember we. I mean, boy, we'd have to go back and we'd really have to go back in the time machine. But I feel like I remember us recording podcasts, being like, "What's the deal, Pep? 
why aren't you playing this guy? I'm sure we were. Yeah, like, I, I feel like we were saying that then. Like, no, it was, a, it, it was a move that, like, Pep just didn't really... But you, you know how, like... Like, he'd come on as a sub and make an instant impact, and we'd be like... Yeah, he's good. Like, why is he not playing? And I think he's, you know... Pep is so specific, though. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, ask Jack Grealish. You know, I mean, not everyone is going to be able to, to vibe with Pep Guardiola. I mean, and, Grealish started the uh, And also, game. I, I, t- I told you when I was at the, the preseason training camp in 2018, I think it was 2019, and uh, Sané was walking across the field towards the locker room, and I had a ball at my feet, and I pinged it to him. <laughs> He just had a face like thunder, like thunder. Just let the ball roll past him. But he looked like he was in a bad mood all the time there. And he has that kind of countenance, I guess. Mm. Um, but he, I mean, he took his goals excellently tonight. I don't know. I like his game. Yeah, but he, he's one of those. Mood, I don't know feel, what that means. Feel, feels like a mood player. Okay. You know, depends what day you get him. A bit like you. If you're in a bad mood. I don't think people would be able to tell the podcast that I was not in a good mood for. Mm. I think I... I mean, go, dude, go back to like some of our, um, some of our pandemic podcasts. Yeah, in the that's early true. days of that, when maybe, maybe I'm, I don't think I don't think people you and I see. Those, I can't I can't name other moody people in my life on air. I don't want to do that. I don't think I'm a moody person. I I feel I am. You? Yeah. Like I remember some of those pandemic pods. Like before we'd start recording, we would have like a mutual like. Psychiatry oh, session. That, those were rough. And then we did record. Yeah, but it, yeah. but it was also kind of like, yeah, I say moody, but like I guess that was also kind of like the salvation of our week was doing those podcasts. It, it, it was cathartic to see your face, yeah. which I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> your face is not a catharsis. Uh, let's see. I, I we've gone so long on Champions League stuff. I, I come on, a, we move on. I had a question here that I'm so interested in. Maybe we'll tease it and do it for the next Champions League match week about which team and or player and or manager is under the most pressure in this year's Champions League. Yeah, can we save it? Who's I, I want to say yes, but I, 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 I feel I, like your general I, tone well, makes me want to, because you've been very defiant think, against it. I think... Pep. I, I, it's, it's hard for me not to think that way, because how long does he get with this like enormous project, this like lavishly funded project, Who, okay, where he ask- keeps falling... At the at the at the at the not the even the final hurdle at the the hurdle the penultimate hurdle he keeps falling and now he's been given this as you've said beast this man designed to score a Frankenstein actually, monster. actually I should stop saying beast that's not a great Frankenstein word. monster Frankenstein monster this guy this T one thousand dun 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 <laughs> like he's he's much more like the T one thousand designed to do one thing and one thing only and that is to kill teams with goals. <laughs> Right, so he has no more excuses. Now here's here's the question: We could do a whole pot on this. You want to do an hour on this question? I'm about to ask. No. Who needs this more, Man City or PSG? Again, I I feel like PSG. It has to be PSG because at least Man City, their greatness is acknowledged in the fact that they're winning. The Premier League, which is considered to be the the, the best league in the world, some will debate. Whereas it, PSG's is PSG, like PSG, we, we don't hashtag know, farmers. League. We don't know what what successes to hold up. Like we don't know which successes of theirs mean more than like they need without a Champions League to their name. It kind of it invalidates the whole thing. No one will say that Man City if they don't if they don't win a Champions League 
in the Pep era, there will always be this this kind of no. hole in the trophy cabinet. But the, they, but their greatness will always be acknowledged no, for how dominant. No, they, they need to win one as well. They absolutely, their greatness will never be questioned. I I actually I I do, I think they need this I more think than that, PSG. No, I mean, why does it have to be more? Because well, I asked the question. Well, I like they're. Like this is so weird. This is such a stupid question in many ways. Like because <laughs> you, they're both built, you are out of order. They're both absolutely flooded with cash. These are projects that were built to win everything. So they should win everything. The reputation of PSG needs it more than Manchester City's reputation. I really believe that. Oh, I don't. I don't think so. Hmm? I th- I think I think in terms of personnel. Um, like Messi moved there to to win another one because he couldn't see. Yeah. It. Yeah. Um, like, but that's but on on like the kind of on a on a larger scale, what these two projects are doing, they they both need to be winning in Europe. Yeah, and Man City fans love to tell you that they oh no no like the league is the thing for us. We were you know we're not built to win in Europe. It's not that's not our. They pro- say that it's I've not, never heard of Man not, City say we're not built to win in Europe. Oh, they 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 deflect. They say that our priority every year is always the league. I believe that might be true. Well, I think Pep. Well, Pep, don't forget how we long, always say like, that's kind of where your greatness is measured. Just is look how at you the, do in your league. Just look at the manager. This is this is actually a dumb question, and I'm, I feel dumber for trying to answer this. <laughs> Are well, you crazy? Yeah, this is dumb. This is stupid. Like seriously. <laughs> yeah. But 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 there is a ga- look at Guardiola's legacy. Like, so he hasn't won a Champions League in over a decade now. Mm-hmm. Kind of needs to do it. I, I think his legacy is. Just fine. He'll be questioned because he went to. He's gone to the big, big clubs Maybe, with the big, but big power clubs, and and now the biggest, the richest club, and you know people. Will I mean, I've heard people bald, refer to him bald, as the bald, greatest manager. Bald fraud, fraudiola. You believe that? Oh, you're you're going to sit here I and believe that? I don't believe that. That's what. No, I don't believe that. That's what will be said. That's but but by people who are wrong. Oh, okay, all right. Well, th- th- this is why this is a stupid question. Like it's arguing. I don't know. I think arguing- this debate has been robust. <laughs> who's your Who's your favorite hedge fund? Like that? No, that I'm just, kind of I think that oh, there's oh, oh. a reasonable conversation to be had about which one of those clubs needs this trophy more. Both these clubs should be yeah, winning I the know, Champions League. I know they both. I know they both should. That's need. Not the- they both need it to justify you don't, what they've done to the game. You don't understand. <laughs> This medium, the way shows are formulated, you want everything. conversation. Yeah, well, we've just had one. I, I just yeah, think- of you belittling me. Let's go ahead. We'll put the Champions League conversation to bed. Uh, it was a lot. We'll come back. Got a little bit of MLS, a little bit of Premier League from over the weekend. So uh, still more to do. And conspiracies here. with JJ. Still more to do here on Caught Offside. Don't go anywhere. Oh, back again on Caught Offside. Uh, JJ, sometimes you get these moments in life where things just kind of converge in a way where you're, the love that you have inside you it it has no you don't know how to what to even do with all of it. Your so, heart is this? Um, oh, my heart is so full. My heart was had this, a moment. The, you know of the fullness. kind of thing you tweet when you have a baby. My heart had a moment. Our of hearts fullness. are full. I mean, you know the things. You've known me for many years. The people listening to this podcast have gotten to know me and my, my sensibilities within the sport. You all know... I love you, Dempsey! I love Clint Dempsey. Probably my favorite American soccer player of all time. Maybe my favorite player of all time, period. Um, and you all know that I am a diehard Tottenham supporter. 
And sometimes those two things converge, like when Dempsey signed with Tottenham. That was a, a day in my life that I'll always remember. And then, JJ, my heart was so full, I'm going to take you into my head as I was watching the CBS, um, their, their show, which I think I like this cast that they put together. Kate Abdo, we know, does an amazing job running the ship. But then, like, Henri, Carragher, Dempsey, I think it all just it works. I'm into it. Um, mm. <laughs> all right, fine. JJ knows everything. He's smarter than everyone. I didn't say anything. The hmm said everything. But anyway. I, I was acknowledging. The hmm spoke oh, for God's sake. But anyway, uh, so they were talking about who their picks are going to be to win this this tournament. Yes. So I'll take you into my head as Clint Dempsey was speaking. And what you're going to hear is just my brain, my American brain processing. My American brain and my Tottenham brain. <laughs> Do I want to get inside your brain? My American brain and my Tottenham brain converged in this moment. I'll pick a dark horse. I'm not biased at all, but I think maybe Tottenham. And I <laughs> oh. I love him. Well, thank you, Deuce. I mean, if I'm to back up what he says, back in the day, Tottenham were always considered, yeah, they're a good cup team. Define back in the day, like the like, 60s? 60s. Okay, so that, that traveled through into the 80s yeah. and the 90s, early 90s under Venables yeah. when they won the FA Cup. Good cup side. It's been a minute, though. It's been a I minute. mean, look, they were in this uh, final of this competition only a few years ago, so you never know. Conte yeah, they, is a winner, although Conte's track record in the, in the Champions League is not, I don't think it's what he would hold up in terms of his great successes of his career. No, certainly not, yeah. but maybe, maybe there's a chance for him to, to put that right. And then he was. Uh, Clint also spoke about vasectomies. Hmm. Yeah. Go on. He he just mentioned how he was uh, having another kid or something like that, and said he's got to get it snipped. <laughs> well, there you go. Interesting. Yeah. Clint is just coming out with the Thursday of March Madness. That's like National Vasectomy Day. <laughs> and I'm serious. It's like a thing. Huh. Men get it then because they have to. They can't go into work, and so like there's college basketball on all day. Yeah. And so it's just it's like the right time to plan being out for work and only being able to sit on a couch. That's... I think it's a good idea. Wow. Are you working for Big Vasectomy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Clint was also uh, uh, called to defend um, the honor of Christian Pulisic as well. So he's been busy. Yeah, and I Clint saw just too. says anything and people laugh, though. Do you, do you think there's an element to that? You know, because he's got the southern drawl, he's laid back. Maybe a little bit, but I do like I like his I like his whole way about him. Look, I I'm he I thought says he was a he's not, I'm yeah. gonna I'll be biased. It's hard for him to disappoint me. Oh, all right. I'm just that kind of fan. When you got me, you got me for good. Yeah, he's a brilliant player. Definitely. It was interesting though when they showed um, the interview with Pulisic and Ben Chilwell talking, and Pulisic he was talking about you know the reverence he has for Clint Dempsey, and Ben Ben Chilwell goes, I don't think I know who that is. Now, that's surprising to me. Thierry Henry was horrified. He was. He was like the young people don't know the history. The history. It was like a minute ago. And it would it would have been right in Ben Chilwell's the most important soccer years of his life when Dempsey was playing as a young person. I mean Dempsey. He would have been absorbing, imbibing soccer. Didn't Dempsey had a twenty plus goal season? Scored maybe the biggest goal in Fulham's history. I, I know. He should know. Do you know what I've discovered, though, just through this job? A lot of professional athletes across the board don't actually watch nor care that much yeah. for other thing for other teams outside of when they're involved. Like, 
It's true. That's true. There, you, you do meet some of them. They're single-minded on their growth as a player, and they're not. And really unless taking they've in. had a direct interaction with the other with the person you're talking about, they may not know who's on the opposition. Some of the best players have turned up to games. Well, people I've to- spoken to, and they haven't been sure who's on the on the other team apart from big names. Like, and then there's other guys who are absolute nerds. Like Carragher, I'd, I'd say he remembers every one to yeah. eleven that he played against. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Quick MLS minute here, JJ, which is as usual going to be a little bit more than a minute. Um, look, we we've got to talk about what Chicharito did. Oh, Andrew, he did. Panenka. <laughs> I tried to tell him. I, I never like to go get personal about these things. I never like to get too much into, oh, it's such a selfish thing to do. But the game is tied at 2-2. This is a victory that the Galaxy need. Put Potentially, the, yeah. Put the ball in the net. I, I don't care what you say. It's a high risk. The percentages of con- the conversion rate goes down when you do that. So why? So don't do so it. So don't do it. Look, you know my policy. Don't ever do it. And and also maybe what, a friendly. What infuriated me was when he ran to the net to hang out of the rigging of the net, almost like oh no. And he kind of gave like an acknowledgement of apology to the crowd as he did that. I if I'm his teammate, I'm raging. I'm steaming mad. Now, I guess his saving grace was that. Like, you're right. A teammate would have the right to be mad at that. Chicharito, he could come back and say, look, I did score the other two goals for us tonight. So it's not like his contribution was zero or, oh, and or I, negative. I, and I think that's what inspired him to do that. To, to I'm going to get this hat trick in style. But Something like that. On. I mean, look. The bigger prize. Keep your eyes on it. What, what is it? Like, um, team before everything, you know. I've grown to really enjoy him. Um, but... This was a horrible. Uh, he's moment. actually an inter- interesting interview. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he's great, and he's been good. He's been really good for the galaxy after a, a rough start. That you know we talked about when that happened, and he he was one of those guys who needed some time. He he talked about that transition to go and play for LA. That was a, a tough year for him. Uh, there were things going on off the field that were tough for him, um, but it's it's clicked. But this was, <laughs> I mean, I watched that and I just said, "Yep, don't do it. Let this be a lesson." Let this serve. Let let him serve as the example of what not to do. Please do. If one young soccer player saw that and has now changed because of it, then you know what? Maybe it was worth it. Maybe it was worth it. But good lord, Um, I just wanted to quickly just mention Hani Mukhtar because we have not talked about him very much on this podcast and just how ridiculous he's been. I think, I think in my if I had a MVP power rankings, Landon Donovan Award power rankings, he I think he has surged to the top. Well, I was reading today that he's officially swiped MVP front-runner status from Sebastian Druisi. Okay. Um, he scored seven goals and added three assists over the past 360 minutes. Yeah, he's up to uh, 21 goals, seven assists on the season for Nashville. He's been just totally brilliant for them. And MLSsoccer.com did a profile for him. I think this was a week ago, so they might be off slightly in the numbers since, but uh, they the gist of it will remain. Since 2020, he's played 79 league and MLS Cup playoff matches, scored 43 goals, and assisted another 27 in 79. His combined 70 goals and assists account for a whopping 53% of Nashville's total attacking output. This guy is... He is phenomenal. I wonder, I mean, look, he was their first designated player for that club. So obviously they knew that they were getting something special, but I wonder if even they knew what they were getting when they when they signed him because he's 
he's phenomenal, and I think that I think his season is going to be validated with that with that award. I um I found his quotes interesting as well. He said straight up that he is chasing. Like he's motivated by the Landon Donovan um, um, MVP Good, I'm okay race. with that. I have to give, first of all, credit to Jurisi. He's played an amazing first season and he's an amazing player. I was with him in the MLS All-Star Week and he's a good guy, a very nice guy, very humble. But in the end, of course, I'm here to win something with Nashville. I think I've played a very good season. Of course, I want to win the MVP award. Good. So I, I give I my best. Okay. I can just do my homework every weekend. That's what I can do. There was a special motivation, I'm not going to lie, but in the end, all goals count the same. That's why in the end, my goals against Colorado count the same as my goals today. Uh, and then finally, I got one more here. This is another kind of silly one, but I don't know if you saw this, JJ. It's not silly. This was embarrassing and and, cr- and awful. Is Drew Yearwood, is he the, the not-so-proud author of the worst moment of the season? So, if anyone has not seen it... He's in the bottom corner of the field, and he just... A decision goal is against him, and he laces the ball into the crowd, and it smashes into a girl's face in the stands. It looked, like, a, red, it looked red, like almost a couple kids got hit. Yeah, like like a boy and a girl. Yeah, they're both in tears. He then goes into the stands to try to apologize, to which the fans there are, to, with their own player, are having none of it. You can read lips; they're not they're not in the mood to be talking to Drew Yearwood in that moment. Um, it was bad. It was it was very bad. He released a statement afterwards. Uh, he said, "I want to apologize from the bottom of my heart to the fans who uh, I who were hit by the ball I kicked at Saturday's match. My emotions got the best of me on this day, and I've let down the entire organization and every single New York Red Bulls fan. I hope the fans are okay and that they can forgive me." He, I mean. I do think that his apology was sincere. I think right away. Look, we've all seen players get frustrated and fire the ball off the like the near wall to them as yeah. hard as they can. I think that that's what he I think intended to do and he missed and it went into the stands and he could have seriously hurt someone and I think the second that it happened he knew and he like he went right into the stands the to guy the guy didn't want the guy to know. wanted none of it. Well, the guy that was next to I think it was yeah, you could like I said you could read his lips. Um but I I I mean I think you got to accept the the apology, no? Yeah, I think you do. But I, it was I, I saw that. I said, "Oh, that is." I de- yeah. That was I, immediately. He's like, "Oh no, what have I done here?" Yeah. Well, you know, I've smashed someone in the face with a with a ball at a party. <laughs> Nearly blinded a child. Wait, what? Were, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. you remember that? <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't on purpose. It was an accident. Well, I, I think it was an accident too. He didn't do this on purpose. He didn't say that kid. He's getting it. No, he just, but he just whacks it so hard, yeah. like it's. No, just, it was really yeah. kind of frightening. It was. So there you go, um, MLS minute. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let's see. Finally, now let's wind it down, JJ. Um, couple final things to to mention on Manchester United and Arsenal over the weekend. Arsenal's first real, I'd say their first real test of the season is Manchester United kind of rounding into form, and it was a fun game, and uh, it is United who take it three one. Um. And I just wonder what takeaways come from this early on. Because the, the gut reaction will be United are back mm. on the United side. And the gut reaction on the Arsenal side will be, oh, now they've faced a quote-unquote bigger side. And it 
it didn't go their way. I think people who watch the game won't come away with either of those reactions. Okay. I think they'll come away with a much more balanced thing. Um, I would say that I wouldn't watching the game, the Arsenal one. I would not say. I think Arsenal will still be. I think Arsenal can still be a really. They will be a really good team. I, I believe that. Um, United being back. If I were going to pick a take to lean towards. I mean, look, I don't mean being back in terms of the, the Sir Alex days are back again. That's never going to happen. But I, I just mean whatever people were saying after the first two games, much like what people were saying about Arsenal last season, Arsenal were never as bad as they were in the first three games of that season last year. I, I don't, And I think the same holds true for United. And I, I think they're going to be okay. I think the defining thing for United is that they are much improved. They're on a great run. They're capable of beating the good sides. And Ten Hag has decided to go softly, softly and a much slower pace, realising he probably doesn't have all the players he needs to do the things that he wants to do. So they are a great counter-attacking team. They'll play Mar- Marcus Rashford more centrally. If he's got green grass in behind him like he did against Arsenal, he's going to thrive. I think Anthony's going to be good. Um, nice first impression. Did very much so. I thought Ramsdale opened up the goal to, to the left-hand side so much from him, but he still he still rolled. took it on his yeah, first, but, first touch. But more than that, it was a good move, and that's the point. Um, Keys Van Hemmen is a he's a data analyst, um, and he's a data scientist actually, I think. Mm. And uh, he's at Northwestern, and he's a big United fan, and he's a big football tactics and analytics guy. He's a great follower for United fan. And, and what he said really rings true with me. He goes, the in-possession work for Ten Hag is coming along very slowly, which was to be expected. But it's still so fun to see one or two passing moves um, in a match that we would never have strung together in previous seasons. So I definitely think that's part of it. United, do, like they didn't have the control of the ball against Arsenal to really implement their style of play but they were good in broken play they're not passing out from the back they've decided they can't do that they're bombing it long Mm. like when the keeper gets it they'll win the second balls and they'll play from there that's much more pragmatic Um, I think if Arsenal were better defensively in transition they could have won the game or they could have drawn the game but they were not um, the two goals they gave away will be very disappointing to Mikel Arteta um, and one of the goals the third one was after a whole bunch of substitutions Martin Odegaard People are going to talk about the Martinelli ruled off, ruled um, out goal for the for the foul, uh, which would have been the opening goal of the game. I do think that was a key moment. I'm not denying that, but I think Martin Odegaard's missed chance in the second half, just he's got to score that, and 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 that is a game changer too. I thought Arsenal were very good. I thought Arsenal were excellent actually at times. Mm, wow. Um, maybe I have to pull back from excellent. They lost three one. You have to pull back from Exxon because the defending was so bad. Uh, oh, by the way, Manchester United's key is that they've got a guy now who seems to link so well with Bruno Fernandes in in Ericsson and a guy who can pass the ball and keep the ball. Ericsson is just class. Now, should United be relying on a guy who's come through what he has, who's of the age he is? He's not that old. They'll have to. <laughs> what is he, 30? Is he even? Yeah, he is, yeah. Okay. He's, he's come through but, a significant tra- trauma, Andrew. So they've got to manage his He minutes. showed us with Brentford last year. He's, he can still play at a high level. I, no one said that. He showed us at the weekend. We didn't need yeah. to see Brentford. He, but was, I'm saying, he was fantastic. And he's he's made a big change to them. A huge change. Um, Casemiro yet to come in. Anthony to settle in. They're in a much better place than they were. But they're not playing 10 hag ball yet. Nowhere close to it. That's okay. And he's if been they, there for a month. Yeah, and if they commit, well... If they commit to that project, they will be they will be good, and there will be new players to come in down the line. Um, but this is a long term thing, and if I was a United fan, I'd be excited about where it's going, where they are right now. 
I mean, there wasn't that much difference in the way they beat Arsenal as the way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got some of his most famous results. Uh, Anthony, right now, great first impression. Took his goal. That was a that was a cool moment. Yeah, haven't that, I mean that place was rocking when that goal went in. Um, but so right now he's kind of like the shiny new toy. But how long before some of the uh, the the Richarlison fan energy gets thrown Anthony's way? I can see it happening. Yeah, sure. If we're, we're going to hate on Richarlison for some of the things he does, I, I'm just call, I'm going to uh, just th- put it out there now. This guy was pumped. As well. And by the way, but I'm saying some of like some of the theatrics yeah. oh, around yeah, the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if these uh, the proper football men out there. How long before their energy hits Anthony? <sighs> Another guy as well who seems to have quite a chip in the shoulder. I guess if you spent a month being told that you're short, it will happen. But Lissandro Martinez at times. He got skinned by Gabriel Jesus, and then it was almost the first ball Arsenal had into the corner. And he just boots him, <laughs> just absolutely boots him, gives away a free kick and walks away as if like like a real kind of street footballer, guy you'd see in playing in the park who has just like got that attitude, that something to prove. That's okay. I like that. I still think he's... There'll be times when he's going to cause that team problems with that going barreling around like that. But again, I probably would take that kind of aggression over not having it. Um, but yeah, it was a very good game. Um, the free kick, I guess we no, sorry, not the free kick, the disallow goal. We'll we'll talk about well, that. Did you want to? Well, we got to close out here. So, what do you want to talk about it now? Yeah, let's let, let's do it now. Right. Um, there were so many other games we could have talked about from the weekend. It was a Champions League week. Animal said they want to they want two podcasts back a week. They've they're already talking about it. Well, well, that's something we need to discuss, with, <laughs> my friend. Um, let's talk about VAR very quickly, and this is very much. It's almost like a a VAR bag, a VAR mail bag. This is driven by our excellent listeners. So Ian Levine, just the perfect tweet. Season 7, episode 10 of It's Always Sunny, How Mac Got Fat, has a clip of Dee as the waitress trying to get in on the joke. Dee was VAR this weekend in the Premier League. So VAR seemed to be the talking point, certainly after Saturday. Like it was just, there was no one talking about the football. It was all about VAR and by Sunday it was a VARtopia. Too much VAR. And I'm not going to relitigate every decision. All I will say is that the... PGMOL and the Premier League are looking into, as a matter of urgency, the ruled-out goal for West Ham at Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, which was a ridiculous decision, mm-hmm. and also the the, the ruled-out goal, uh, Newcastle um, versus Crystal Palace as well, another one that shouldn't have been. Those were the two big ones. The rest of them, they're not going to touch. Um, so our story begins here, Andrew. I just tweeted out, that was a dreadful decision at Stamford Bridge. And Noah, who's a Chelsea fan, he's got, he's got the two Champions League stars in his bio, so you okay. know. He goes, as a Chelsea fan, these type of horrendous decisions typically go against us. Genuinely think the official may have been blind. Now, you hear a Chelsea fan saying, these decisions typically go against us. And you start to think of all they've won in the last 20 years, 15, 20 years. You're like, how did they win anything if those decisions typically went against them? So I said... I replied, typically go against us. Heck of a statement. Within about, I would say, 20 minutes. Screenshots? Oh, Noah was back. So he had, but what was interesting? So he had the Didier Drogba one from Barcelona where he's screaming into the camera. It's a disgrace where they weren't happy with a bunch of refereeing decisions that happened when they got knocked out of the Champions League. Uh 
and he he was he called the ref a cheat and he's freaking out in the camera. The three of them, the next three, are just three things that happened in a game that like were in the grand scheme of things pretty innocuous. One very recently, so he's got the I think it's Harry Maguire kicks out at Michi Batshuayi or one of the Chelsea players from a few years ago. He kicks up and it's he didn't get sent off for it, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's whatever. There's the hair pulling one, the Kukurea one, and then there's Harry Maguire again with his arm around um, uh, Aspelacueta from one of the uh, lockdown games because there's nobody in the stands, and that definitely, you know, those were decisions that like. He's left out the ghost goal that went against Chelsea in the 2005 Champions League final. One of the big ones. But these are all, apart from the Dragba one, these are all relatively recent incidents. And it just, it made me so interested because it gave me insight into the fans are ready with the receipts immediately. And they all feel like there's, there's some hidden hand against them. Like, for a Chelsea fan to say typically things go against us, that's just not true. So Dale Johnson, you know how he does, he's like yeah. the master of all this. Right. Uh, and at the end of every season, he kind of does like a VAR table, yeah. how how every team was affected positively or negatively by VAR. Chelsea were one of, let's see, one, two, three, bear with me for a sec, four, uh, five, six, seven, oh, eight, nine... <laughs> Ten teams that were positively affected by VAR decisions. Right. Okay. So that's just a recent sample. But no, no. Fans always remember the things that go against them, and this existed before the internet. But I feel like social media and VAR now has like solidified this into something different. So then we move on. I retweet Nick Ames, who tweeted about Arsenal. He said, "If my team was top of its league and playing." Uh, scintillating football for what it's worth Arsenal actually are the last thing I'd be doing is tying myself up in knots with conspiracy theories about referees people should get a grip so that's over the the Martin Odegaard incident where he in the lead up to the goal where he's a judge to have fouled Christian Eriksen now my view on it is VAR's not intervened in other incidents like this this season why are they intervening in that one like on the basis of everything being equal it's a foul he doesn't get the ball. But why now? We're supposed to have light touch VAR. We're supposed to have let it flow. So so you can see what's happening here over the weekend. There's We're moving towards something. Um, and then Jacob barrels in, another listener. Okay. And n- now we get to the nub of it. So either referees are obscenely stupid or they're compromised okay. in some way to be getting so many of these calls wrong and at the benefit of the big sides. You can see where this is headed right now. So I, I, I said, compromised in some way. What does that mean? And I genuinely wanted to see what he'd say. So he goes, is it really that hard to believe that between the insane amount of money in sports betting that a ref couldn't be gotten to, Juve did it, it has happened before. He's referring to Calcio Poli in the mid-2000s. And um, that's not the same thing. That was more when referees... Uh, Juventus conspired to make sure that referees who would be more lenient to them were were sent to certain games. But whatever. So, like, you can see where this is heading already. Like, there is a hidden hand against my team. And then we get to this guy. 
I think we've got to learn from this, that Saliba and Gabrielle have work to do to cut out breakaway goals like that. I think Tomiyasu now has to start over Ben White. But I got to say, this would have been a different game if they hadn't chalked off Martinelli's opening goal. That as fans, we've got to rise up against the hyperextension of VAR in the same way that we did against the Super League. Because what we're seeing is the encroachment of the surveillance state, where what happens on the pitch is just a dress rehearsal for Big Brother and CCTV to analyze. Oh, what? Oh, my God. Now this is a man. Oh, can you tell us more I about this guy? I couldn't find where this guy was from. The okay, animals so are. What, the anim why should we care about this? But no. But this is just. This is the thinking. I've given okay. you a thread of thought <laughs> from these decisions typically go against us, which, for God's sake, supporters have been saying for years, all the way to that. This is the hidden hand. This is like two steps away from like you know uh, communist elements of the DNC. Well, um, there's more from him, right? There is more from him. Uh, he even quotes Shakespeare. So uh, the, the animals from Reddit put this up. Um, this guy is all over Reddit, and he had the Arsenal Fan TV logo in the corner of the screen. Okay. So this is a man in his mid-50s, an American, clearly, um, and he's gone, you know, full Zabruder film on this. The Premier League is just going to be a playground for the surveillance state. We have to end this. We have to rise up against the abuse of VAR and insist that it only be used for clear and obvious errors. But such is the infection of the time that for the health and physic of our right, we cannot deal but with the very hand of stern injustice and confused wrong. Come on, you gunners. <laughs> oh, my God. So he's quoting, he's quoting uh, from Shakespeare's not dramatic at all. King John. So we've got no, that's the thread that's that I've been following this weekend all the way through. And that's what what a weekend you had. That's what VAR is created. It's like so. I'm not saying, I'm not making a, a judgment on VAR, but this is what we're getting. And then the suggestion at the weekend, uh, I think it was made on Match of the Day by Alan Shearer. Forgive me if it wasn't him. It was made two to three weeks ago by um, Paul Merson that we get ex-pros to run VAR. People already think this is a conspiracy against their club. The last thing you want to do is bring in people that have actual ties to clubs. That yeah, you probably I... effing hate. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is this is where we we've gotten to, and and VAR instead of not all of us. No, but this is this is what this some is, some people a lot I... of people. This is the stuff that's floating around now. There are pro you can you can acknowledge that there are problems with it without believing that there is a deeper conspiracy behind it. I think that's where probably where most people fall. Right, but it's it's just amazing to me how insane some fans have gotten over this. Even some of our own listeners, like it can't be that the referees. There's two layers of human error involved now: the original referee's decision and then the guy who watches it. It isn't going to a machine for review. It's going to another human being. They will. Make mistakes and slowing the game down, watching it on video has only just opened up even more gray areas in a game that's full of them. That's what's happening here, folks. It's not nobody is trying to 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 manipulate. There's no hidden hand going against your team. It's no. crazy, no crazy stuff. But um, all right, yeah, wow, <laughs> that went to a place. I mean, what is it? What was Communists he, in the what, DNC. What was he quoting there? 
You know I'm not King John. I'm not for, up on Shakespeare. Shakespeare. It's it's um I don't I've I haven't read King John, so I don't okay. know what it was coming from. But he's basically saying in our in our era, in our time, he's gone Orwellian on it. Okay. Because I only am familiar with Anonymous. That's right. Oh my god. Yeah. We used that a lot when Craig Shakespeare was manager <laughs> of Leicester. Very creative. Yeah, and people it did not hit it hit home with anyone really. Oh no? No, no one got into our I laughed every week. So basically, guys, while Craig Shakespeare was manager of Leicester, we finished every show and we tried to mash together Craig Shakespeare and actual Shakespeare. And that, yeah, that actually replaced for a, for his entire tenure, right? And no, then when he was fired, we retired. It. Nobody was listening to us at that point. That's not that is a bold faced lie. No one got into the Shakespeare. Anyway, that's uh that's our show is what that is. Oh my God. What a podcast this was. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, I, I'm fascinated by what happens next with Chelsea. We will, of course, be watching very closely. Some big games coming up this weekend. I believe Tottenham Manchester City is this weekend. That should be fun. Whew. Oh, baby. Good stuff, my friend. To you, I say... Take you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 